Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny and Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns. Uh, our usual person who does the intro, Charlie Erling, is out sick today. We hope he gets better. But in the meantime, I'm Mitch Krumpetich, and I'm filling in for him, and I'm joined by David McGraw. How's it going? You know, it's going pretty good. Um, we're having a really good time uh, chatting towards the end of the season. A uh, whole lot of stuff going on, a whole lot of conversation pieces. And, you know, as much as I want to just be ready for draft time, there is still a lot of basketball going on and that just makes me happy in general yeah there's there's still a lot of good stuff make sure to get a hold of us on social media our twitter is at sunny and phx pod our email is sunny and phx pod at gmail.com and check us out over at our new host the deepish thoughts podcast network over at deepishthoughts.com thanks for listening to the sunny and phoenix podcast if you'd like to further support the show you can head over to tpublic.com slash user slash sunny in PHX. That's teepublic.com slash user slash sunny in PHX. We've got t-shirts, mugs, phone cases, all kinds of stuff. You can get our famous cheese is warming up design or just one that says sunny in PHX. Again, tpublic.com slash user slash sunny in PHX. And go Suns! So today we had a few things planned that we were going to talk about, including playoff races in both conferences that are kind of interesting, but we realized there's a more pressing issue that needs to be talked about. Uh, In our most recent game from the time of recording, we played the Oklahoma City Thunder. It was on April 7th. The Suns won 120-99. to Um, I was not expecting that for sure. But the big story is that Russell Westbrook did not break Oscar Robertson's record for triple doubles in a season. He finished the game with 23 points, 12 rebounds, and 8 assists, which uh, is is interesting because the last time the Thunder played in Phoenix, Westbrook was one assist away from a triple-double. So we've stopped him twice on those triple-doubles and picked up big wins. Uh, We also had a huge showing from Devin Booker, of course, 37 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and then TJ Warren had a great game, 23 points, 16 rebounds. So the Sunny and Phoenix podcast crew had a little bit of an argument during this game involving the fake stats and the padding of stats in Russell Westbrook's uh, run of triple doubles, uh, especially rebounds. That's the stat that people have been really saying he's he's padding um, that specific stat. So I'll let David share his piece first, and then I'll respond. But uh, we have some pretty differing opinions on this. So go ahead. Yeah, you know, in the age of fake news, there's also fake stats. So <laughs> I'm I'm not going to argue that Russell Westbrook does not stat pad. I am under the the impression that basically everyone stat pads just to different extents. What I'm making the argument is that what Russell Westbrook is doing does not hurt his team at all. Or if it, like, does, it is for a play for a very minimal amount. Is basically my entire argument. So, if you've watched Thunder games, basically the entire team is garbage. (laughs) And, And, like, I'm not saying, like, they, like, 
are not NBA players. They're they're nothing like what was like the 2005-2006 Lakers where they're starting Smush Parker and Kwame Brown. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying specifically that like if you look at that team, they are a defensive unit. Andre Roberson, or Robertson, or however you want to say it, um, Steven Adams, Taj Gibson, Victor Oladipo, these dudes are guys that can step it up on defense and play well. If you watched the Suns game last night, or April 7th, you saw that without Andre Roberson, TJ Warren just went crazy and had a really huge night, good rebounding, all that kind of stuff. They are a good defensive team. If you look outside of Westbrook, though, there is no one really there to be able to create anything, really. If you look at their bigs, their bigs don't pass very well. If you look at their rebounding, they can rebound. They are a good rebounding team. But part of that is to be able to create offense on the other end and not just get into a fast-court set, or a half-court set, let me rephrase that, get into a half-court set where they're relying on the other players to make precision passes a la the Spurs, they're just not going to be able to do that. So my argument is, is that Westbrook getting the pass and running down for the fast break is the most efficient way that the Thunder can possibly like score every single possession. Just because he is faster, more athletic, has a higher motor than anyone else on that team. I know that you can argue that maybe an outlet pass will be better. I do not think that... I do not trust the Thunder bigs enough whenever I see them pass to make precision outlet passes every single time for a streaking Westbrook down the floor. So that's basically where my argument is here, is Russell Westbrook getting the rebound and starting a fast break with his speed and athleticism is just the best thing for them to do. Yes, it causes him to stat pad or whatever rebounds, but this is not something that is new. He had he averaged eight rebounds last year. Um, same basic game plan was that Russell Westbrook gets the rebound, even with Kevin Durant there, and runs down the floor for a fast break, and then if nothing's there, then they go into a half-court ISO set. So that's basically my argument with this, if he's stat-padding rebounds or not. I want you to tell me, like, one player that has had a historic like scoring, historic rebounding, historic assisting, whatever, that was not stat padding in some sort of way. Okay. So before I do that, I want to qualify and say that DeMontis Sabonis is a great passer and a great rebounder. You, let's, let's just make sure that's clear. And I was, <laughs> I was not saying that the Thunder Bigs weren't bad rebounders. Ennis Cantor right. is a great offensive rebounder. Steven Adams is a really good box-out rebounding kind of guy. Sabonis is a good rebounder. Taj Gibson is a good rebounder, but outside of Sabonis, there aren't really solid, like, accurate passers, and Sabonis is still a rookie getting acclimated to the NBA speed, is more of my argument there. I wasn't saying that Sabonis was a bad passer. (laughs) No, I know. I I forgot to leave out that part. I left that (laughs) part. I'm letting my Gonzaga bias sink in as well, but... uh... You've given us all a bias here. You know that, (laughs) so come on. Yes, yes, but... Okay, anyway, I'm I'm not arguing that other players haven't padded their stats. I'm just saying that Westbrook is doing it for sure. And, um, I mean, 
a lot of times you don't even need that much of an outlet pass. You just could like hand the ball off. Westbrook is fast enough to take two steps back and give the bigs an easier opportunity to get him the ball. You know what I'm saying? And that's going to be all good. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Not me. See what I'm saying? Know what I'm saying? Hear what I'm saying? See what I mean? Know what I'm saying? The other thing is, like, when it came to the end of the game, it was kind of a blowout, but, like, all Westbrook was trying to do was get that triple-double, which, okay, I get it, but it doesn't really make sense to pass up a wide-open shot in order to pass the ball to Steven Adams, who's at the top of the key, who obviously isn't going to make that shot. And then he dribbles in and tries to make a shot. And then the Suns intentionally fouled him so he couldn't break the record and all of that. But, like, I just feel like when you're playing a team like the Suns, like, we suck. It's very clear. The Thunder can easily beat us if they want to. But Westbrook is passing instead of just trying to score and actually win the game. So that's what bugs me. Yeah, I am not disagreeing with you that the end of the game last night was rough for him and for a lot of his critics as well. Um, I am on the Westbrook bandwagon. I know it is clear that if Chuck was here, he's definitely not on the Westbrook bandwagon whatsoever. <laughs> and, like, I get that. I totally get it. I am not saying that, like, oh, he was just playing a normal game or whatever. He was going for the passes, he did that in the first, in the second or third game, I guess it was, where he was at nine assists and he was trying to get that last pass, just trying to get an assist, and no one was knocking down a shot. And I was like, all right, whatever, Westbrook. But like, it was very blatantly obvious that he was passing open, wide open shots, passing off wide open shots, just trying to get that assist. I'm not saying that like he wasn't stat padding last night, trying to just get those assists. He was trying to break that record because. He feels like he needs to for some reason. And he was trying to get it when it was unnatural in the flow of the game. Right. And I think this is a great time to bring up Devin Booker's quote about the whole situation, which was great. He said, I want Westbrook to break the record, but not against us. That's paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. And I think that's really cool that Booker takes so much pride, even though were so bad this year like the crowd had kind of turned they were cheering to see history made which like yeah that would be cool to see in person I definitely think so but I don't ever like cheering against your own team but there were probably a lot of Thunder fans in the building as well as happens in big games in Phoenix but still I love that Booker stepped up and didn't let it happen and when the crowd was cheering for Westbrook and the Thunder he took it personally and he really stepped up so like that that was a positive that I think we can all agree on I my argument basically with the everyone else was kind of cheered and like I love Booker's response like the Celtics fans were kind of doing that when Booker was scoring 70 that's a good point that is a good point and so like I mean when those things kind of happen the opposing arena like the opposing fans are going to root for you because they want to see history and yes there were a ton of thunder fans there last night there were a ton of thunder fans when we went um a couple weeks ago like a month ago i guess it was now yeah it's just gonna happen like that is what happens when booker was scoring 70 like boston fans were going crazy okay but doesn't it 
make you proud to be a Suns fan when you hear Booker say something like that, like that he wants to see Westbrook break the record, but not against our team? Oh, yeah. I didn't want Westbrook to break the record last night, like, at all. I watch a lot of Thunder games this season, so, like, watching a Suns-Thunder game was something that I really like to watch anyways. Um, I did not want Westbrook to get that triple-double last night. Sure, I kind of wanted to see it when we were in person because it wasn't, like, breaking the record or anything. Like, it would have been fine. Right, but right. But last night, specifically, I did not want him to get number 42 against us. Yes, he was able to clinch triple-doubles in a season because he got six assists. Big whoop. He didn't get that 40-second triple-double. I was very glad that the, our team had that same mentality of, we're not going to let you do that. We're going to play our hearts out. And then if you try and stat pad at the end of the game, trying to just chase after that, then we're not going to let you do that because we're going to stop you. And it's that same mentality that they had against Boston where Jay Crowder and Isaiah Thomas were like, had their panties all up in a bunch and Gerald Green was all mad and whatever. And they're like, oh, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Booker's like, well, you should have stopped us. You should have stopped me. Like, you know, you had every chance. You kept on fouling because you were going hard trying to stop. But you kept on fouling instead of being clean and trying to stop it that way. We wanted to stop it. And it's a lot easier to stop assists than it is to stop someone scoring. And that's just what happened. Yeah, those are all really good points. Um, anyone listening, let us know what you think in any of our social media, YouTube comments, whatever. I, I'm interested to see where other people land on this because I kind of have a feeling that more people are going to disagree with David. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like I'm totally okay with that. If you're going to ask me who deserves MVP right now, it's super tough because I think the Westbrook and Harden both deserve it. I think the fact that, I mean, the Thunder have like won, like, what is it, six less games basically. They've dropped two or three seeds from where they were last year after losing Kevin Durant. I mean, the fact that they're doing that right. alone is ridiculous. The fact that they have a giant hole in their roster where they needed, they had that, even another all star to play alongside Westbrook. They don't have that right now. The fact that he's doing what he's doing is ridiculous. The fact that is. he is, I'm pretty sure, tied or at least ahead of Isaiah Thomas in fourth quarter scoring with like 9.9 points or 10 points or something dumb like that. He's leading the league in that. His clutch statistics have been ridiculous this season. I mean, I think mm-hmm. there's something along the lines of like, like his percentages are just like ridiculous through that. I would have to check i have them up but you know i'm kind of in mid-thought and don't want to start stumbling over my words so i'm just not going to <laughs> um i can pull them up in a second like whatever but like his clutch scoring has been fantastic this season he shot he's doubled his three-point made this season and gone up by five percentage points in his three-point percentage yes his two-point percentage is down but the fact that he bumped up his three-point percentage by that much and is shooting on such a higher clip is kind of ridiculous He's, yeah, he was shooting it, it 29% last year from three. He was It was historically one of the worst three-point shooting seasons ever. He's at 34, like, 0.6% something, or 34.3% something like that this season. He has a higher three-point percentage shooting than James Harden, who is the other guy that's playing, MV, that's playing for MVP right now. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. And, like, 
If you're going to say, like, oh, well, like, the triple-double is dumb and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying the triple-double is the most impressive thing about Westbrook this season. I completely think that his clutch scoring, his percentages from three, the fact that, like, he is, like, physically willing that team to win games. I mean, you saw it in this Memphis game, the Memphis game that was a couple days ago. You saw it in so many of these other games, if you've been watching them, that, like, he is just shining in the moment most of the time. And, like... With the team, and you see them when he's on the bench. I mean, they're strutting out, like, Norris Cole, who was playing in China and then got cut <laughs> from China because he wasn't good enough. Like, he's got, right. they've got Ennis Kanter. Good. He's good. Jeremy Grant has no jump shot whatsoever. Super athletic. That's about it. Like, you're like Samaj Christian, who, or Kristan or something like that, that, like, dude is, like, hot garbage and is getting way too many minutes. Like... The team is awful without Westbrook and uh, like on the floor, like that is more of what I'm saying. Like if you watch the Rockets, the fact that it's the D'Antoni system and that they can throw out like Lou Williams, Eric Gordon, and Patrick Beverly without Harden on the floor and still bring on firepower, like is great because that's what D'Antoni does. Like that like right. Lakers game right. for him a couple of years ago was a garbage fire, but like Kobe was out, all this stuff, and they still like. What they weren't like they were in like top ten in the lottery, but they weren't like top five. I think they were like seven or eight or something like that. Like they were like not the absolute worst team in the league, and the firepower that Houston has is ridiculous, and they can keep on rolling even when Harden's not there. Harden is also yeah has more assists than Westbrook, yes, but also has a way higher turnover percentage than Westbrook. I think that's a really big deal. Harden is going to break the all like time like turnover record like by a good margin which was a lot of people thought was unbeatable. It was like I think it was something like 400 something turnovers in a season. And that was like an ABA record Jeez. from way back in the day with like a highly inflated whatever like there's all this stuff that like both these dudes have their faults. But I think that the only other two guys besides Westbrook that could go out there and say, I'm going to get a triple-double triple night in and night out are Harden and LeBron. I agree. And I think that's kind of where I'm coming from. Like, yeah, you can start whatever, but can you tell me with, like, 100% certainty that Oscar Robertson wasn't stat-chasing stat back in the 60s when he averaged a triple-double? Or right. in half I mean, of, like, in, like... Half of Wilt's like highest scoring games. I love Wilt. Wilt's my I like I absolutely love Wilt. Everyone loves Wilt. But you hear the stories about what was going on during that one hundred point game where they were fouling the other team to get extra possessions to give it to Wilt and all this other like garbage that was going on. Like these dudes that these dudes stat pad. Like I like I think that one like like what is one high scoring output that you could say was not stat padding like maybe like there's Clay Thompson 61 where he only played like 29 minutes that wasn't really stat padding um I will argue that two of Kobe's highest things where he scored 16 three quarters against the Mavericks and where he scored that 81 to beat the Raptors those were not like really stat padding he was just having to do that to win the game Westbrook stat pads I'm not saying he doesn't but like if you look at any historical number like I will argue that there is probably stat padding there. Well, I hate to burst your bubble, and this probably really bursts Charlie's bubble, but 
I don't think I disagree with you as much as I originally thought. Like, hearing your actual actual explanation out loud is a lot more reasonable than our uh, little flame <laughs> war that we had over Slack last night. <laughs> so, I yeah, I mean, I think all of those guys stat padded. I think everyone did. I think the difference is that we have so much more media surrounding all of this now that it's like it's more uh apparent because we have people writing about it and that's a big reason why i was even interested in this is because um newer listeners to the show might not know this but i love zach Lowe and anything he says i believe is true pretty much so <laughs> that's that's where i'm coming from with this whole argument but I don't, I don't know if we were even arguing about the same thing. <laughs> yeah, like, it, if you want to listen to the Zach Lowe thing, I'm pretty sure he even says, like, in, in his podcast that, like, the triple-double, if you're going to vote for Westbrook to be MVP because of the triple-double, that's not why you should be voting for him. And I'm pretty sure he right. even brought up the argument that, uh, like, there are so many other things that are so impressive about Westbrook this season. And yeah, yeah, I, I know, sure. like, Chuck had like a very thing of like all the stat padding and all this other stuff. And it was like, all right, like Chuck, come on, you're killing me. Like the fact that he, like he's still getting those numbers and like, those are really hard, sustainable numbers. I mean, like 30, 10 and 10 is kind of a lot. Like a 10 game stretch of 30, 10 and 10 is like, wow, you're, you're doing that. Yeah. That's ridiculous. It, it is. It is. But I want to go back in time just a little bit to the beginning of the season when we did our uh, preseason MVP predictions. Charlie and I said Westbrook, and you said Harden, and we laughed really hard at you for saying Harden. Yes, you did. And I remember I made the joke that, oh, is Harden going to win Defensive Player of the Year too? I want to. I want to actually go into the time machine and think of when I said, huh, you know, Harden is going to be the Steve Nash of this D'Antoni offense, and he's yeah. going to light it up. <laughs> How about that? David was right. You guys should just but, listen to me more. Come on now. <laughs> but the, the thing I want to say is that I'm, I'm imp- it's not like this is anything crazy or, like, way out there, but, like, we did predict the two players who one of them is probably going to win it, and it's going to be a close race, I think, because the Thunder have won more games than a lot of people predicted they would. Um, but, I mean, I I don't know who I think is going to win anymore. I think both Harden and Westbrook are super deserving. I have a really hard time picking because, like you said, with uh, – Westbrook, it's not about the triple triple doubles. It's about him leading a team surrounded where he's surrounded by not very good players. Sorry, Sabonis, I love you, but you're a rookie and all of that. Um, and, and I mean, they're they're still. You just summed it up so well. They're still good. Uh, and then Harden and the Rockets are just doing amazing things as well. So it's so hard for me to pick. And then there's the LeBron argument, which can be made every year for MVP. But really, I think it's going to come down to Westbrook or Harden. And I don't know who I would even pick if I were a voter. Yeah, I I, I mean, like, it's super tough. I, I, I don't know. And I will say, like, the argument is also that 
there were a lot of sports analysts and stuff that were saying that the Thunder would have a better record than the Rockets this year. And a lot of that came from the fact that, um, you know, Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson were always injured, it seemed like, in New Orleans. And they were having mm-hmm. a tough time. They lost Dwight Howard, even though there were some people that were saying that that might be an addition by subtraction since they were getting the D'Antoni-like system in general. And a lot of people thought that the Thunder were going to be better than the Rockets just because of those things and because the Rockets were not a very good team last year. I don't want to I don't think I really ever agreed with that and I felt that if you watched the um the Lakers when D'Antoni was there and my god I watched way too many of those games where like Earl <laughs> Clark so sorry. Earl Clark was a serviceable stretch for and got a huge contract from <laughs> Cleveland like just the guys that like D'Antoni was able to make like get good contracts like Kendall Marshall who we drafted and was right. like playing like garbage the Lakers picked up and he was able to get like a long-term contract and like has never been anything since D'Antoni left like the the guys that he's able to do things with I always felt was going to help with how what the Rockets had even if Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson were hurt and just the fact that they had James Harden and then Patrick Beverly who is not the coolest dude when you're playing against him and he kind of drives you nuts but like dude can ball and dude can play like hard defense and you knew that like all these things and there was the whole blah 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 James Harden's point guard no he's not he's not defending the point guard he never does like whatever there was all these things that were like noise 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 and like I will say in for the credit of the yeah we were able to say this and all these things and like the Rockets were technically projected to have a worse record than the Thunder yeah, that's a good point. But uh, I, I think we've had a lot of good conversation here. Uh, again, let us know what you think. I'm interested to see what our listeners think. But I want to bring it back to the Suns really quick. Okay. Because this is, after all, a Suns podcast. Can, can we stop one and, second, though, so that way I can say like yeah. those percentages and the fourth and all those kind of things? Oh, sure. All right. Yeah, so, yeah, just if you're looking at Westbrook's percentages, because I did have this up and just didn't do it, his percentages by quarter in the first quarter he shoots 33 percent from the three point 46 percent from the field second quarter 40 percent from the field 34 percent from three third quarter 40 percent from the field 34 percent from three fourth quarter 44 percent from the field 36 almost 37 percent from three he that's pretty like his assist percentage is like a little lower but he's having to do these clutch things his field goal attempts, he has more field goals, less field goals attempted than the third quarter. Um, in the third quarter, he attempts 496 field field goals. In the fourth, he attempts 482 and has made 214 of those attempts. 58 out of 158 from three. With less than three minutes in the game, his percentages are 43.5% from the field, 34.1% from three. On 63 of 185 from three, five, two, one, 218 out of 501 from the field. Some of those things with less than or equal to five points of a five-point margin. His percentages are 43.8% from the field, 33.9% from three. On 401 out of 916 from field goal from from uh, field goal attempts, and 78 out of 
230 from three, so right around that 33%, whatever, which is four percentage better than anything he shot last year. So I just wanted to throw those out there real quick about some of that clutch scoring that I kind of did mention. It is there. I wasn't just making it up. No, I, I, it's amazing. Those stats really are amazing. But um, let's, let's bring it back to the Suns for a second here. Let's do um, it. I want to talk about Dragon Bender really quick. Uh, he has returned. We talked last episode about a little bit of what we were expecting. And I just want to see what you have thought about Bender in his couple games back this season. Yeah, um, I really haven't gotten to watch too much of him. I watched about half of... Who did we play, like, before the Thunder? I can't even remember right now. Like, everything is so much of a blur, like, when it comes to our season in general. But uh, I was... It was the Warriors. It was the Warriors? Okay. Um, That's right. I really hated watching that entire game. That's why I blanked (laughs) it out. (laughs) Thanks, Mitch. Um, So, like, like, watching him entirely in the Thunder game, the fact that, like, we kind of had him pick up Samaj Christian, and Samaj is not, like, a very good player in general... But the fact that we were just like, yeah, you know, you go pick up a guard, like, from greater than half court and, like, do that. It just shows some of that defensive versatility. He had a fantastic spin move on Doug McDermott where he drove him into the paint and then did a little spin and got a layup. It was great. I love that little move. It's just some of those things of, like, that jack that jack of all trades that Bender can be. And I, every time, like, I saw him play in that Thunder game, all I was thinking was, man, we got screwed out of 20 extra games that, like, we could have seen him playing alongside Chris and Warren and, like, all these other, right. uh, like, Booker and Tyler Ulis and all, Big Sauce. Like, I, I was just so disappointed that we missed out on those, like, 26 games. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. I can't wait to see him get a little bit more weight on him. He looks a little bit more ready with the speed of the game, well, like, with movement and all that kind of stuff. And I'm really excited to see him in summer league this year. Like, I, I love I love him a lot. Um, I really hope that he stays on the team as part of this core. And he's not traded for something as to try and get us closer to win now. So uh, I, I, I'm really excited for um, the future and being able to see him play more with Chris and Booker and Ulysses. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I want to go back to the Rockets game. Um, that was the game we played before we played the Warriors, and that was Bender's uh, best game since his return. He had 9.7 rebounds and two blocks, and he made a three, so that's cool. Um, everything since then has been pretty tough, hasn't you know put a whole lot of stats on the board, but I'm just happy to see him out there. And like you said, I wish we could have seen him with – with the young guys uh, after Bledsoe and Chandler got shut down. But I'm, I'm excited that he wanted to play the last few games because he, I'm sure he easily could have said, no, I'll just keep healing up. I, I'm glad to see that, one, he's physically good to go on the court, and two, that he wants to be out there. So uh, Summer League is going to be great, and I'm excited to see what he can do next year. Yeah, exactly same here. But I do want to give you a little bit of garbage for last week's where you started talking about Bender at center and all these other things. And I was like, come on, Mitch. We've talked about this. He's going to be either a three or a four. Uh, I don't think we're going to see him at center even next year. I, so. But I, I want us to try. I want to play him 
everywhere. If we can play him <laughs> at every position, I'd like to see him bring the ball up the court. I'd like to see him play the shooting guard as well. I just want to see what he can do everywhere. <laughs> that That is fair, but I would rather play Jared Dudley at center than Bender. I, I'm just going to leave that out there. <laughs> but oh, Dudley's got a little bit of that booty. Fun. He's got a little bit of that dad bod going on. Like I, I'd rather <laughs> him be going up against centers and leave Bender on like the forward spots. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up this episode. (laughs) So uh, keep thinking about that for the rest of the week. And uh, check out our social media, which we mentioned at the top, and our t-shirts, which we mentioned at the top. And thanks for listening, and go Suns!